0: This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Turn um, to our, our, one, of our, one of our foundational scriptures is in Psalms 127. That's where we'll get started this morning. <clears throat> Again, we're talking about God's purpose for the family Parents' responsibility to children, and we'll just start. We'll just jump right into the middle of Psalms uh, 127 at verse three. It says, "Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is His reward." It says, "Children are an heritage to the Lord. They are a memorial. They are a legacy. They are. You you think that your children are your legacy, but they're they're really His legacy. They they're." uh, a constant reminder of his promise that he would not forget about mankind, but that he would make possible a way for mankind to be redeemed. And it says the fruit of the womb is his reward. And so we know that, that, that the children, that they belong to God, but the work is on the parents. And we talked before that, that the purpose of the family is to produce spiritually and emotionally mature believers. Who in turn get God's redemptive work done on the earth, and that, so that, that's 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 a, a powerful and a and a, and a, and a a deeply serious purpose. That parents have the responsibility to nurture, which means the proper feeding at the proper times, the right um, the the right direction, the right pushing at the right times for their children. And training and discipline that comes from the Lord. We also said that in Ephesians 6, in chapter 4, it says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That it's, it's, as parents, it's your responsibility to, to teach children to salvation that they would see the love of Christ first in you. That they would see the, the boundaries and the discipline that 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 first comes from you, and as they see the example that you that you give to them in parenting that they begin to understand their relationship with God, you know one of the things that we didn't get a chance to get to um, the last time that I had it in my notes is that <clears throat> you know to a certain extent and to a, to a great extent, your children will only believe in God to the extent that they have been able to be disciplined, and directed by you. If your children cannot follow your instructions in the small things, in the natural things, how do you think that they can receive spiritual instruction about those things that are well beyond comprehension? And so it's, it's your responsibility as a parent to constantly be directed, to constantly be working with and guiding your children so that they can have confidence and trust In you, but also so that they can have trust in the Lord. The relationship that you establish with your children, it sets the pattern, the template, for every other relationship that they'll have in life. They're going to respond to their their employers the same way that they respond to you. You know, that same child that that you always had to get on and get on and get on to take out the trash, and then finally you took out the trash for them, that same child doesn't turn in their homework on time. Right, that same child that you had to get on and get on to clean up their rooms, and then finally you had to clean up their rooms. Guess what? They come to work late. They they don't they don't they don't perform excellent service on the job. That child that 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 you told them that they needed to be a certain place at a certain time. Guess what? They don't come home when their wife expects them to. Their husband has a hard time keeping up with them. Because the patterns that, that, that are established in your home early, they echo throughout that child's life. They echo. And so it's time you have to, you have to get up and get on it early and establish godly training and godly discipline. <clears throat> we said that parents, that you, have to be, you have to first hear the command of God and put yourselves and your household in the position to obey That you have to hear the command of God and to put yourself and your household in a position to obey. You have to be where God can speak to you. And your children have to understand how precious it is to hear the voice of God. How how, how precious it is to hear the instruction of the Lord that is not just about Traditions that we gather around the live stream it 's not, it's not just about a form that we earnestly yearn to come back and to be in the church that it's not just uh, something that, that, that just happens to happen around dinner time or it 's just what your morning routine is when you 're reading the scriptures but that', you deeply, that you, you, you deeply value the Word of God and the counsel of God in the congregation of the upright. you have to put your children and yourself in a position to hear the command of God. And to obey, and we said a big part of that is that you have to be very intentional about the people that you bring around your children and about the people that you keep out of their space. Because you want to have the, the correct influences and the correct examples so that they can understand what is the butter and what is the honey. What's the butter and what's the honey? You know, I've been using that scripture quite a bit and I, I'm not sure if I ever gave that to you. Go to Isaiah chapter 7 go to the book of Isaiah chapter 7 it's in the old testament major prophet and this is Isaiah he's trying to teach a lesson to, to the king he's trying to teach a lesson to the king and he said you know king you can learn from you can learn as a child learns right it doesn't matter who you are or how high you think you are the things, the, those basic things that we were talking about before that, that are going to carry over into excellence in every area of your life, they're established early as you're a child. And so go to Isaiah chapter, chapter 7. Just jump down to verse 15. This is Isaiah. He's talking about his young son that he's brought with him to teach a lesson to the king. And he says, Butter and honey shall he eat that he may know. To refuse the evil and choose the good. And so that's the illustration. Butter and honey. He's gonna, I'm going to put before my child that which is good, that which is the proper example. I'm going to show them the right way so that they will know to refuse the good, to, to refuse evil and to choose the good so that they will understand this is what excellence is. You know, you don't, you don't develop your child, you don't teach your child to choose the good by having them go through the hardest times, by making them rough it, right? By, by saying, you know what, I'm going to just throw you into the deep end of the pool and we'll see if you sink or swim. No, that's not, that's not the scriptural example of how we are to train our children, to discipline our children. It says that we feed them with butter and honey. We, we show them God's love. We show them His grace, that His power that is made available to those that believe in Him. We say, well, you know what? If you, if you trust in the words that I say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, you're having a, a struggle with taking out the trash, I'm going to help you. Let's, we're we're going to take it out together. I'm gonna, we're gonna, you, you get a bag, I'll get a bag. You get the upstairs can, I'll get the down. We're going to go out, we'll do it together for a while until I know you can do it on your own. You're having a struggle with, 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 with managing your time, with keeping up with your commitments. I'm going to work with I'm going to say, let, let me see your schedule. Let's let's map out a schedule together. I'm going to walk with you in this thing. I'm going to show you the right way that it needs to be done. Until you understand and until you can make application into your own life. I'm not going to frustrate you by asking you to do something that you cannot do, but I'm going to walk with you in it you're having struggles with your wandering eye, listen, I'll be your accountability partner. Come over to our house for dinner. We'll, we'll sit and we'll talk. You won't be surfing around on those websites because you'll be, you'll be with us. And we'll talk about the things of God and we'll talk about scripture. And we will keep your mind full and occupied and so busy. We'll keep your schedule, your schedule, your schedule, your schedule so full of God's things that you won't have time for the foolishness of this world I'm here to walk with you in your walk I'm not going to leave you all to yourself to your own devices and to your own schemes. I'm not going to throw out a standard and not show you how to meet it and not show you that power is being made available to meet it because that's just the way that God does it he places a command upon his people If we say, God, you're asking me to be holy because you're holy. I don't even understand what holy is. And guess what? He sends the preacher. He sends the pastor teacher to demonstrate and show us and to teach us what holy is. And to help us to walk it out until we can make application and make it a part of our lives. That's how God is. That's how we as parents need to be for our children. Showing them what is the butter and what is the honey. So that they can refuse evil. They can say, you know what, That's, that ain't even right. That, they, they'll go over to a friend's house and trash is all over. and be like, you know what? I, we might need to go out to eat. I don't know if I can eat in here because this, this doesn't even look right. What's that smell? What, what is that? What, how are y'all living? How are y'all, maybe we need to go out to the court because, you know, we can't, I don't even know what's going on in this house. This is just not right. This is not the standard that I've been raised to be used to. This is not the standard of excellence in terms of how we should conduct ourselves. Let me show you a better way. Let me show you what is good because my parents have showed that to me. And it's it's, it's not just their standard anymore, but now it's my standard. Butter and honey. Butter and honey. Parents, you're going to have to separate your children from corrupt desires you're going to have to separate your children from the corrupt desires of this world system. And we talked about how Abram, how he, he circumcised his son, how he circumcised his whole household on the same day that God said that circumcision was required. That he didn't, there was not any hesitation. But he says, Lord, if you require it of me, that I will do. And his entire home was set aside and made different and set apart for the use of God. We said that even though it was, it was instituted with Abraham, that God continues to require it of His people, that even as He, he, he requires it of all His people, even his, his ministers and those that think that they are of, of a certain estate, that even when Moses went and God had given him the words to give to Pharaoh, he knew he was being used by God and that he had an anointing and that he had a word to speak into the leaders. That God said, you know what? Yes, you do have a word. I have put my words in your lips. But you have not been faithful and obedient in the smallest things. You have not circumcised your children. And God sought to take his life. But thank God for godly mothers. Thank God for godly women. That she circumcised her son. And says, This you, a bloody husband you have been to me. Because, because Moses would not circumcise his children... His wife says, You know what? I understand what God is saying. I understand what God is doing, and what he's doing and what he wants to do in this family does not take a second place or a back seat to what he has you doing to touch the world. That it begins at home and that we must first align our household to do the will of God. Husbands, that you could be so lucky. That you could be so lucky. To have a spouse that would see, as, you, as you're out doing and in make, in making it happen mode, and you're working and you're striving, that they could see that, you know what, what you're doing is not even as important in the eyes of God as what needs to be done in this house, as what needs to be done with these children. It doesn't matter about the millions that you make or the dollars that you stack. It doesn't matter about the crusades that you, that you go on, the stadiums that you fill. If your own children have not been ministered to at home. If they've not been separated and set aside. And so God showed us that. We said that we have to teach our children. We have to teach our children to bring... An offering into the Lord we need to teach our children to bring an offering into the Lord. you know these are these are these are we're going over a lot of scripture, but these are these are just things that, that you need to just rehearse to yourself and get it down so that you can make sure that you have the correct approach. teach your children to bring an offering into the Lord and we talked about how, how David as our example here that that he he provided for. And gathered up and made the connections in the context that Solomon would need to build the tabernacle. And that Solomon, that that he wanted to, to make sure that he was pleasing to his father, but then we also see that he also wanted to be pleasing to his God. That Solomon, he took what David gave him and he used the connections. Uh, from from the from from Hiram and the, the king of uh, of, uh, of Syria to, to gather the cedar trees and all the the materials that were that were needed for the building of the tabernacle, that he made good use of what was given to him, but that when God came back to him and says, you know what, you've done good, you've done good, you've done good. What is it that you would want of me? That Solomon says, Lord, of all that you've given to me, I'm willing to give it all back to you that I don't count it as anything for my own personal gain, but that you would give me wisdom to lead your people. Now listen, a lot of people think of Solomon as being a a young man, as being a child, an adolescent, when this thing was spoken to him. but, But here Solomon was going around, he was conducting state business. He was building and constructing for the Lord. He was getting the work accomplished that had been set before him. That takes great maturity. That takes great maturity. How many of you are getting accomplished what has been put into your hands? Are putting into work into, into effect and making realization of what has been put into your hands? You know it takes great maturity to do such a thing. And so yes, he was a young man. And he had a, he had a child's heart, but he was mature enough to know that, you know what? It's not about me. It's not about me. And so when God asked him, what would I give to you Solomon says, Lord, I'm giving it all back to you. If you would give me wisdom that I would lead your people and that I would be a faithful servant, a faithful steward in your house, you'll receive all the glory. And that's when we see that Solomon, instead of just, just making good use of his father's offering, that now Solomon is giving his own offering. He's given his own offering unto the Lord. He says, Lord, this life that you've given to me, I give it right back to you. That I don't count it as for my own gain, but what you've given to me, I'm giving back to you. That we're going to have to teach our children how to bring an offering to the Lord. And our children will see that. Solomon, he saw that. He saw that David was the king, David had resources. He had men at his command. David could have done what he wanted to do. And David had a desire to build that tabernacle for God. It was a burning inside of him. But when God told him, David, it's not for you to do, David said, you know what, it's not about me, God. I can't be selfish and accomplish the will of God. I can't be self-focused and accomplish the will of God. All that I have, I'm going to give into your hands. If it means I need to pass it on to the next generation, I'm going to pass it on. I'm going to make sure that they're well equipped, that they're well trained, that they're well ready, that they are prepared to speak with the enemies at the gate. And from that example, Solomon was able to follow pattern. He was able to follow the pattern. And when God asked of him, he was able to do the same. He says, God, what you've given to me, I give right back to you. And so it said, parents, that that we cannot provoke our children to anger. We can't provoke our children to anger. And the the scripture is in Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Looking at verse 21, it says, Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. You pointed out that that word provoke. Provoke. What does that mean? It means to stir up, to excite, to stimulate. That You know what, parents? You have a responsibility to provoke. You have, a, you have a responsibility to make sure that your children are not complacent. That your children are not settled. That they are constantly striving to fulfill the will of God. That they're not resting on what you've done. They're not resting on what granddaddy did. They're not resting on what grandmama did. But they are constantly pushing to do the will of God because God has a call upon their life. It's not, it's not the same as the call that was on your life. Your children are not a continuation of your work. They have a work that is all their own. God is calling them to reach a world out that, that is in their own way. He's not calling them to do the same things that you did. And so you have to stir them up, you have to provoke them, because they'll, they'll get so comfortable looking at the example, they'll get so comfortable seeing the pattern. They'll say, well, okay, well, all, I need to, all I need to do is what they did. And that's not what God is calling them to do. God is not calling your children to be you. He's calling your children to be perfect, to be holy, to be complete, to be mature. And so we can't allow them to fall, to fall in love with the pattern. To begin to idolize the pattern that they lose sight of what is all directed towards. We have to provoke our children. We need to stimulate them to seek after the will of God. Parents, you set the boundaries and the direction for your children. And of course, your, children, your child's role is to test those boundaries. That's just the way that the game is played. You set the boundaries. Your children, their, their, their purpose in life is to test those boundaries. They, how far can I push it? How far How far does this go? Is there really a punishment for this thing? And so, but in, in our provoking, in our provoking, we have to ensure that we don't push them to the point where they become angry. And I said earlier that we don't, we don't try to, to push our children into areas where they are certain to fail. We don't give our children instructions that they cannot follow. We don't give them an example that is a false example. It says, Why do our children become angry? They become angry because of our lack of consistency. Our, Our lack of consistency in setting boundaries, in teaching and instruction, in showing affection and unconditional love. Our children, they become angry because of our lack of integrity because of our lack of integrity that we need to have a, sincer- a simplicity a sincerity in our intentions that we need to have a truthfulness and we need to have a single eye you know I, I mentioned before that one of the ways that that you test the integrity of a thing is that you place it under stress that you place it under pressure and you see where 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 does it where does it where does it break where does it begin to crack because the, 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 the breaking point, the elasticity, the stress points of an object, they are the definition of what that object is. Therein is the integrity of the thing. Where you can be pushed, and nobody better push you any further. Therein is the integrity of the thing. But when we're talking about Christian integrity, who do you run to in your distresses? Who do you run to in your despairs? Do you go after the, world's, the world system and seek after the favor of men? Or do you fall to your face and seek the answers in scriptures? Your children need to see your integrity. Is it sometimes some way and sometimes the other way? Is it, is, is it that I'll, I'll seek godly counsel in some areas, but you know what? When so-and-so comes around, I know exactly how to handle them. Right? That I'm going to respond from the flesh as it relates to family, but I'm going to respond from the spiritual as it relates to external things outside of the home. You need to have integrity. Where are the cracks? Where are the breaks? Where is it that, that that which was one way is now another way? That there's that inconsistency because that's the breaking point. See, your children are looking at your integrity. They want to see that, that you are the same in all areas. That you are the same when you are abounding, when you have riches and things are going well. That you are the same when times are tough and money is short. That you are the same. Go to Luke chapter 11. They need to understand that to have a single eye. Luke chapter 11. And it says, the, Luke chapter 11, verse 34, The light of the body is the eye. Therefore, when thine eye is single, thy whole body is full of light. But when thine eye is evil, the body also is full of darkness. And he goes on to say that, that we, need to make, we need to pay attention. We need to pay attention that what we are focused on, that where our minds are set, that direction that we are fixed in, That it's light and it is not darkness. That it is light and it is not darkness, because then we are the example. Then we are the example as a light that is set upon the hill, that people all around you can see, all around you can see, and it sets the direction. It sets their focus. It lets them know how to get out of their darkness. Because they see where the light is. That their eyes have to be single. Our children need to have simplicity in communication. And the verse for that is Matthew 5, verse 37. Go to James chapter 1, verse 17. This is the example and the pattern that is established by our Lord. Who is light and in Him there is no darkness. James chapter 1. Just real quickly, verse 17, every good and perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. He never has to take back what he said. He never has to say, you know what, I apologize because I, I I went off script and, I, and and I lost myself. No, God is the same all the time. He is always consistent. We know exactly what we can expect. We know that love is his characteristic. And everything that he builds on is based on truth. And so there is no contradiction. When your children become discouraged, that's when their spirit is broken. When your children become discouraged... That's when they, they, they're unable to trust. That's when they're unable to trust. They can't commit fully. They can't listen intently. Because they're always trying to watch out for, well, what is the other thing? What's the other, when is the other shoe going to drop? What's the out? Where's the shading? Where's the, where's the deceitfulness? They're always trying to find a way to make sure that they're covered and they're protected. They can't place their faith and their trust in the Lord. Because they had such a hard time placing their faith and trust in what you were saying. You made promises that you didn't keep. Keep it simple. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Keep it simple. Children don't need anything to be complicated for them. Keep it very simple that you can have integrity in all that you do, in all of your interactions. When they become discouraged in the work that God's desire to do in and through them, it begins to die out. They, be, they, they begin to frustrate the will of God that He had for their lives. And so parents, this is, this, these are the things that we must not do. We must not provoke our children. But what we must do, you know parents, one of your, your key responsibilities to your children, your key responsibilities to the children in this ministry, is that you're going to have to begin to pray. You're going to have to begin to pray And you're going to need to pray a different way than the way that you have been praying. You're going to have to put away those prayers for jobs. They don't need your prayers for jobs. You've got to put away those prayers for spouses. Because you want grandchildren. You're going to have to put away those prayers that they would behave a certain way. That they would show you a certain thing externally. We're going to have to pray a different way. Go to Job chapter 1. We're going to understand how do we need to pray for our children. It's our responsibility. You know, people think it's a cliche when we talk about how our grandmothers prayed. How our our mothers prayed. But they knew how to pray. They knew, you know what, we, we saw that they were praying. But maybe we weren't listening to what they were praying for. We didn't, we didn't listen to how they were praying. Because what they did was effective. We need to go back. We need to go back and revisit. How are we supposed to pray? Go to Job chapter 1. Very quickly. Here, verse 5. Let's just jump up to verse 4 so you have context. It says, And his sons went and feasted in their houses, and every one his day. And sent and called for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. Right, so his, his, his children appear to be doing fine. They appear to be well off. They seem to be getting along with each other. Why would Job need to pray for his children? Why would he need to pray? That's, that's when we stop praying. As soon as they got the job. As soon as the, the infighting has stopped. And we don't see them quarreling among themselves anymore. We we say, oh God, thank you, thank you, thank you, because you've done it. But no, no, that's when Job began to pray. Verse 5, and it says, And and it was so, when the days of their feasting were gone about, that Job sent and sanctified them, and rose up early in the morning, and offered burnt offerings according to to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be, that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts, thus did job continually continually he didn 't wait for circumstances to do this thing, but he did it continually, and you know, I just thank God for the reading of his word because something when I was looking at this that that i, I didn 't realize because I had always had this this image in my mind of job getting up by himself, of job going off by himself, maybe his wife was there too. And that he would offer these burnt sacrifices. He's, he would offer these, 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 these prayers up to God, asking for his mercy upon his children. But we skipped over something. And it says that, earlier in the verse, it says that, that Job sent. That after his, after his children had finished with their celebrations, that Job sent and he sanctified them. Job had them say, you know what? Come, come back to my house. Come to where, come to where I can, I can lay my eyes on you, where I can, I can lay my hands on you, and where I can wash you with the Word of God, where you can be cleaned, where you can be cleansed. Job sent, and he sanctified them. He says, "You know what? Yes, yes, yes. You know what? Yeah, yeah. You got that. You got that job. You met that person. You, whatever things are, but, but." How how is it between you and God? Tell me about the kingdom and where God is in your life right now. Job sent and sanctified his children. What does it mean to sanctify? I said before it means to to wash. It means to to cleanse. It means to, to put away the dirt from. Go to Exodus chapter 19. Are you sending? Are you sending for and sanctifying your children, or are you, just, are you just enjoying the fruits of their labor, enjoying the the the, the fatty parts of the offering, and saying, "Okay, well, well, you, it looks like you're doing good. looks like you're doing good. You know, good for you. I'm glad. I'm glad for you." No, he says, "You know what? Tell me, how is it between you and God? How is it between you and God?" He sent and he sanctified his children. Exodus chapter nineteen. We're, we're, Just going to look at what does it mean to sanctify? What does it mean to sanctify? In Exodus 19, we're just going to look at verse 10 real quickly. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go unto the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes. So God tells Moses, He says, Go and sanctify the children. Let them clean away the dirt. Let them clean away the filth. And let them prepare themselves to wash their clothes, to change their garments. You know, how do your clothes get dirty? Your clothes get dirty because you've been walking around in this world. And you've been picking up the dust and the dung. And all the things that are in your environment. And you didn't put them on on purpose, but just because you were there, just because you were trying to to work and to move around and to do what you needed to do, there's now dirt on you. And there has to come a time where you say, "I, I need to clean all of this off. I need to clean all of this off. There have been thoughts that have been placed into your mind. There have been ideas that have been placed into your head based on the pattern of this world. You say, you know what? I need to re-examine and to re-look. What is God's pattern? What is His desire? And I need to wash away all of the influence of the world. I need to take time and meditate on the Word of God. So Job, he he sanctified his children. He says, you know what? I know that there are things that you think are true, but those things are not. There are things that you think... Qualified for success, but that is not what success is. There are things that you, there are people that you think are beautiful and that you need to have in your life, but those are not the people that you need in your life. He sanctified his children. We can see here to Moses that he was instructed by God. He says, Sanctify the people and wash their clothes. Sanctify the people and wash their clothes. Why is that? Because God wants to speak to the people. The people needed to be washed, they needed to be cleansed, because God was ready to meet with them. He was ready to give instructions to the people, to show His presence. He was ready to show up in their lives. Too often we think that because our children are doing well, that God is working with them. We think that because our children are, are, are starting a new, a new venture, that God is, has has told them to do that thing. He says, well, this is what God. This must be. Well, if, if they have not been sanctified, if they have not been cleansed, God is not talking to your children. If if they have not been cleansed and washed with the Word, God is not speaking to them. So we need to pray that we need to pray that our children that they're sanctified, that they're cleansed. That they're washed with the word. Go to Psalm 24. It's not going to be much longer. You'll get a chance to go to your coffee break or whatever. But we just need to we need to make sure that we understand as we close out this teaching that that, that now that we understand what it is that we need to do, that, that that the pattern that God has set, how do we put it into practice? We're going to have to pray a different way. Pray for their sanctification. Psalm 24, just real quickly, verses 4 and 5. Who hath clean hands and a pure heart? Who have not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully? He shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation the one that has sanctified Himself, the one that has been cleansed, that has been washed, that your hands are clean, now you're able to come into the presence of the Lord. Now your children are able to come into the presence of the Lord. We talked about bringing an offering. How can you bring an offering with dirty hands? They're just giving your offering. They're just bringing what's left over. Their hands have not been cleansed. But when their hands are clean, their hearts are pure, then they can receive the blessing of the Lord. Then they can receive righteousness from the God of His salvation. We need to pray that their hands are clean and that, and that they have a single, that they have a single eye, that their vision is opened. And we talked before about how Elisha, he was surrounded by the king's armies. And it seemed as though he was in a situation that he couldn't get out of. And his servant became fearful and said, Elijah, we're surrounded. There's no way for us to get out of this. And Elijah, he didn't become frustrated with his servant's fear, he didn't dismiss his servant's fears. Your children, they're going to be in situations where it seems like, you know what? What God is asking me to do is just too hard. I'm 24 and I'm not even married yet. I'm not even dating. It's just too hard. I did four years of school and I still am not making more than $10 an hour. It's just too hard. What am I supposed to do? That person I've been with, I've been dating for the last five years. They said they're moving to California. What am I supposed to do? But I know that God has called me here. What am I supposed to do? They're surrounded and they just don't understand. Elijah, he didn't become frustrated with his servant. And he didn't disregard his servant's fears. He didn't say, well, just work harder. Just trust in God. You know, just trust in God. He, he, he didn't disregard his servant's fears. He knew that those fears were real. That they were valid. That they had power to waylay and to distract and to take them off course. But what did he do? He redirected the focus. He redirected his servant's focus. He says, Lord, open my servant's eyes. Open my servant's eyes so that he can see. So that he can, he can now be pointed and focused in the direction of your will and your desire. He can see that there are more that are with us than that are with them. He pointed his servant to God's provision. He pointed his servant to God's truth. That it's not about the situations. It's not about the circumstances. Those things change. But the truth of God is constant. Go to Ephesians chapter 1. You say, well, that's that's good for the Old Testament. That's good for the Old Testament. But here we are in the millennium. Here we are in this time. Go to Ephesians chapter 1. Just look at verse 18. It says, "This, this is God. Verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that your eyes will now become single and full of light. That the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of His calling. And what the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling, and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. That your eyes would be opened. We need to pray that our children, that their eyes are opened, that their focus and is full of light. That they have that single eye. You know, with understanding comes hope. With understanding comes hope. And when there is hope, great power becomes available. With hope, great power becomes available. Because with hope, they can begin to trust. They can begin to have faith. And when faith is there, God is there. When faith is there, God is there. and when God is there, how can how can you lose? What can you not do? What is impossible? But too often our children, they, they, they've been left without hope. They've been left without an expectation. They think that when they turn 18, they need to figure it out on their own. That at a certain point in time when they turn 24, they need to go ahead and, just, and, and, get, it, and get it done. That, that, that they're missing the milestones that you set for them. They're missing those markers when you set for them. And they don't they don't have hope. Our children need to have hope. You know what what, what will fill this church? Is if we have a people that have hope, if we have a people that have an expectation that you know what, I expect that as the word goes forth, that power is being made available, and that God will work in and through me in this ministry. If I know that God is working in and through me in this ministry, in this place, at this time, there's nothing, there's nothing that you can offer me. There's no temptation in this world that can keep me away. That can keep me away from the house of the Lord. If my, when my hope, when my trust, when my faith is in Him, there's, there's, there are no circumstances that can can stand between me and what God's intention, what His will is for me. We need to pray that our children, first of all, that they are washed, that they're cleansed. Without without salvation, there's nothing that your children can do in the kingdom of God. There's no benefit that they'll be able to have for the kingdom of God. They need to know that He is their Savior. Not just your Savior, but that He is their God. That He is their Lord. We're going to have to bring them in. Send for them. Send for them. Send for your children. And watch them with the Word. Their hands are going to have to be clean. Their eyes are going to have to be focused. To be full of light. No longer concerned with the distractions of this world. No longer concerned with the deceitfulness of this corrupt world system but that their eyes are full of light, that their eyes are single. And that in having their eyes full of light, that that they are enlightened, that they have understanding. They're not going to understand everything, but they need to understand, this is what God is asking for me right now. This is the small thing that God is asking of me. This is the small thing that God is asking of me. And as I, as I do and as I press in into his presence, as I press in into his will, then great, great grace, great grace becomes available. Great grace becomes, I expect it to be, I'm not surprised. My expectation is that as I press into the will of God, that great grace, great power is made available unto me. They're going to learn these things from you. And watching your example. They're going to learn these things and seeing how God is moving so mildly in your life. And your prayers will be effective. God will hear your prayers. Because He is doing a great work in us and through us. And our our expectation, our expectation for our families Is that we will see the goodness of the Lord. We will see the goodness of the Lord. Amen, family? This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.